0: You've reached Hoop and Holler, a square one podcast on basketball and other shenanigans.
1: Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by you know, ESPN anytime soon
0: because <laughs> you don't have that clutch connection. And Julio
2: Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap.
1: It comes from at underscore underscore uh, Klu 2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact <laughs> that really you knew there were two underscores before the... Club, to at underscore underscore Kalu, he knows your Twitter. That, that means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah, basketball. In three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. Y'all, we have a heavyweight bout on this episode. We have, in this corner, standing at six feet tall, a hundred and, I'll say, 65 pounds, I'm estimating for you, Julio. Representing the eye test, representing old school skill basketball, Julio Martinez. And on this corner, we have... Standing at five foot six, seven. five foot it. seven, round up to five foot seven, weighing in at one hundred and ninety pounds, strong as they come. Eddie Sun representing analytics. Okay, I'll be your mediator of today's discussion. That's gonna be the entirety of this episode. We had a conversation earlier around the uh, who was it that came out and said something about the Celtics? You brought it up, Julio. Uh,
2: well, I, I saw who I I don't know which one of you tweeted it. Um.
1: Well, no. Oh, it was first.
2: It was, Eddie. it
0: was first. Some anonymous executives said that oh, Jalen Brown and Tatum doesn't do anything
1: but help themselves. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anonymous executive. We know how much those anonymous executives like to talk. They think that Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they don't do anything to help themselves. So Eddie goes on the Twitter. Everyone knows that he does at Square One Hoops, which is now Hoop Holler Pod. Okay, switch that up. So make sure you go follow at Hoop Holler Pod. He tweets from the account that. What did you say? I'll let you speak for you. It was you. <laughs> So I was just
0: curious because the Celtics and the Clippers played a game that night and um, I saw something about how both teams struggled to get to the rim. So, you know, I did some digging on cleaning the glass, which is an awesome uh, site for, you know, some data points. And I saw that the Celtics were 27th in the league at getting shots up at the rim and the Clippers were 29th. Um, that's not to say they're not good teams or solid teams or anything, but you know, those are two of the more talented teams in the league in the bottom five in getting what is statistically the easiest shot in basketball, a layup or a dunk. Right. So I just posed an open-ended question. I said, you know, can, can these teams really contend for a championship? Like they want to, if they're struggling this hard to get shots at the rim, um, I didn't really make it, like, an argument about guards versus wings, but you can take it that way if you want, Um, but all I'm saying is... That's the way I want to
2: take it, yeah. That's the way we're going to take it. But
0: all I'm saying is, it's interesting that the Clippers and the Celtics, and the Clippers are very good, by the way, I'm not saying they're not good, Um, but they really struggle to get to the rim, and a lot of it
1: can be due to uh, roster construction. So, Eddie tweets that, I notice it, and I'm like, you know what, that's an interesting uh, question to pose. So... I ask the question, and this is something we've talked about on this podcast before. We haven't gotten too, too in-depth into it, but that's what this episode is going to be. I go on my Twitter, and I put a poll out. I say, what is the more valuable player, a lead guard or a two-way wing? If you've listened to this podcast, if you've been faithful to this podcast, hell, if you've turned tuned into this podcast one time, you know Eddie's all-in on the lead guards. You know Julio's all-in on the two-way wings. For clarification, for those of you out there who might not be as well-versed in basketball as, as those of us on the podcast, Lead guard, that's your heliocentric James Harden, Luka Doncic type ball. They're handling the majority of the offense. They have like a fucking 95% usage rating. They're running pick and rolls. That's how they run. The upside, right, tends to be high floor, but it also is your ceiling may be limited. Two-way wings, Julio side, those are your Kawhi Leonard's, your Paul George's, your Jalen Brown's, your Jason Tatum's. They're ISO ball. They can go get you a bucket. They have a lot of skill. Julio's shaking his head. What's wrong? What's up?
2: You see, and this is the other beef that I had uh, that, that we don't even... Agree. The reason why we argue so much on this topic is, is because we don't even agree on the parameters mm. of the topic. Alright, you define
1: to me what, what, what the parameters are, what you're talking about. Then.
2: Yeah, to, to, to see, to me... You said you were talking about wings mm-hmm. and you don't even mention the in my opinion the two best wings in the in the goddamn NBA.
1: I'm just bro, okay, hold on. First cuz I cause Kevin Durant obviously, right? Okay,
2: KD, right? Yeah. Like like when you throw in Chris Middleton in the tweet, I was like
1: what, okay, so like, for those of you who saw the tweet, basically I was trying to find players around the same level, but James Harden and Luca are probably better than Kawhi and Tatum and Chris Middleton, so and, maybe that was a bit of a skewed result. Sorry no, to my and, AP and statistics I'm, teacher, I, I might have influenced the, the outcome there.
2: And I know you guys don't really consider Braun to be a wing, but I do, and that that's just something that I'll never move off of. Mm. Um, and you know the the. Again, I don't have to repeat the the argument that I've always uh, spouted, but the the best players in NBA history are all wing players, in my opinion. My top five ever are wing players. MJ, Kobe, Jordan, Bird, KD. Like, there is no—and I I, just—I won't bend to anything. Like, those are my parameters. Those are wings, in my opinion. First of all, it's
1: egregious that you don't have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in your top five. That's egregious.
2: I'm just talking about, like, from a skill standpoint. Um, But anyways, uh, and and my other point with with James Harden and Luca, you know, I consider them wings. I consider them wings. But if you guys want to consider them, I I guess, lead guard. See, to me, a wing is just a a guy who's above maybe 6'4", above 6'4", who can do everything that a point guard can, that a lead guard can. And that's why I think wings are the best or most important position ever in the league because they're just bigger, taller, longer, can do more athletically, yet they can do everything skill-wise that a lead guard can do.
1: Why don't you go ahead, Eddie? I was going to pose a question, <laughs> but Helio just went on ahead, so we can just open up the floor for dialogue.
0: Yeah, so I mean, the thing about the parameters, is, and, and we can agree to disagree, but... You know, if your point guard is six three, you think they're a point guard. But if your point guard does everything that a point guard does and is uh six foot seven like Harden or Luca, um I, they're still a point guard, right? Like they play the one, the coach pencils them in at the one in the lineup. But um, but
2: see, I, I feel like I feel like you're using the argument of uh of like positionality when it when it's convenient.
0: Well, you know, I'm strictly but... looking at play style to me because I think positions are dead in the NBA. Like Bruce Brown is playing center. He's 6'4". Um, you know, <laughs> Chris Saps Porzingis is 7'3", and he's playing like a wing, basically. I mean, on offense, at least. You know, he doesn't even put two feet in the paint, ever. So positionality is dead, you know, period. Um, so it's really about what kind of play style you have in the NBA now. Um, and when you see guys like Kawhi, KD, um, those are clearly wings to me. Um, and I've talked at length with Reagan about this. Um, I've, it's, I've struggled to put a finger on exactly how I see it, but to me, I think it has something to do with, you know, it's an aesthetic quality. I've said, I've pinpointed that it has something to do with your stride length and your moves and, and, you know, how you use your feet and moves, but, you know, without going too much into like that rabbit hole into the specifics. Um, my whole point about guards versus wings is that, um, I don't think that teams have to build around a lead guard to win a championship. I don't think that teams have to build around wings to win a championship. Like, that's not my point. But, you know, when you see teams like the Clippers and the Celtics struggle to get shots at the rim, you know, and you also see that, what do we say that the Clippers are missing, right? They have great wings, but they don't have a great guard, uh, a great on-ball guard. Same thing with the Celtics, especially um, with Kemba struggling. You know, they struggle to get shots up at the rim. So my whole point is, you know, a guard influences uh, with this play style how, you know, um, how like an offense operates, I think, more than a wing because a guard is kind of trained to keep that dribble alive. You know, a guard is trained to exhaust opportunities like a guard is trained to get through the teeth of the defense, you know, play among the trees and to try to really get, you know, to the rim. Right. Whereas to me. Um, and and not all wings are the same in this regard, but especially when I see a player like uh, Kawhi and KD, you know they will settle for those tough mid-range shots. And do they make them? They make them like at a much higher pace than normal NBA players. But you know they're not getting to the rim. Um, same thing with uh, Tatum and Brown. That might be the biggest downfall of the Celtics right now is that you know they don't have the advanced dribble skill set because they can rely on their size to make these like ten-foot shots. But, you know, they're not really drawing defenses toward the paint. They're not sucking them in and creating, you know, penetration and kicking out to threes and and creating opportunities like that. And I think it will end up hurting them, you know, come playoff time when these teams play seven game series and teams can key in on your first, second, third, fourth, fifth weakness. You know, like someone's going to have to be able to get easy buckets and they might be missing that in their personnel.
2: So, okay, so I just want to be clear on my stance so in order to win a championship, at least from my perspective, both sides being healthy, um, you need two superstars or at least a second guy to be, you know, teetering on, you know, I would consider Bradley Beal, whatever, Zach Levine, their skill set to be like superstar players, but they're obviously not known as superstars, but you need two superstars in my opinion. And um, One, you know, I, I, again, I consider the most important position to be the wing position, but, um, if you had, so I'll put it this way, the, the two superstars in my view that where you have the advantage is if your two superstars are a guard and a wing, to me, that's the most ideal scenario you can have.
0: And I, and I agree, you know, you need, you need diversity,
2: and that a wing, a great superstar wing, and a great superstar guard is better than two superstar wings or two superstar guards. We can do a like the the Boston Celtics are a fascinating case study because you're like, damn, Jalen Brown is amazing you now, and, and Jason Tatum, you know, he, he's just Jason Tatum. The the Clippers PG was playing phenom- phenomenal uh, at the beginning of the season, still playing good, um, and, and so is Kawhi but their records or their performances might not always show it. Um, but then I, I can also do the same thing and, and flip the script. You know, th- those are two wings, but I can flip the script and look at Houston. I can look at Chris Paul and, and, uh, and James Harden a, a few years ago and say, well, why didn't that ever work out? If you consider James Harden to be a, a, a kind of, you know, a, a point guard or a lead guard, um, then why didn't that work out, you know, if, if that's the best position in the NBA? Um, but it, it's it's just, you know, th- these cases can pop up. But again, I just want to make it clear on my stance that you need two superstars to win an NBA championship. And ideally, those superstars should be a wing and a guard. The next thing, the next best thing to that, uh, you might disagree, but it, it's a wing and a wing, in my view.
1: So I want to ask this because we've seen the Houston Rockets and we we saw their style of play with Chris Paul and James Harden. We've seen, you know, perhaps the Boston Celtics and their style of play and they kind of both, to me at least, have similar ceilings, right? Different reasons for why they reach those ceilings and why they plateau at those ceilings. For me, it's more of a, um, on a game-by-game basis, you can be more reliant on that lead guard to get you points, But in the crunch time moments where you need buckets, sometimes that stuff falls apart. Um, And then kind of on the flip side of it, right, you have wings who on crunch time, right, they can get you there. But you have to get in the game to be in crunch time in the first place. Right. Why is it better to have two wings, Julio? Or why would it be better for you to have two guards, Eddie, than vice versa? Because to me, they have pretty much the same ceiling.
2: So who's the best team in the NBA?
1: The Brooklyn Nets.
2: Okay, who are they? Who's their best player? James Harden KD right? right yeah I mean that's I mean,
1: a who, wh- I mean, I, which of the okay. two would be better at this point is a good question whatever
2: right but I, again I consider James whatever who's the second best team
1: the Los Angeles Lakers
2: okay who's their best player
1: LeBron James LeBron
2: okay who's the third who's the third best team
1: um, Milwaukee you we'll say Philly I don't know. No, I would say Philly. I would say Philly. Philly really has okay. Two the Point
2: is, there all those pl- all those teams. If you guys want to consider James Harden, sure, but th- their best players are are just wing players, or just not lead guard players. And you you just, in my opinion, you just cannot have a you know two great lead guards and just have a wing who's just there to play defense essentially. It, it, like it, if you if you think about it. It's better to have two wings, like a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and have not an average, but like a, a someone who can get you like someone who's not that, exp- let, let, let's do like a Rajon Rondo uh, of last postseason. Like that's that's not overly expensive in today's NBA. And it, it's it's someone who can handle the pressure, handle the game, you know, know how to orchestrate an offense, but he's not a superstar in any fashion. And I just don't think if you draw that same parallel, like a Rajon, the the wing Rajon Rondo of today's NBA. But like, what
0: if you just put a three and D wing in there, like put Robert no, Covington? A, in, there. in my
2: opinion, that's just not enough. That, that's what I'm saying. You just can't have a wing that's out there defending the best teams with the best players being LeBron, KD, Kawhi. You just can't. You just can't have that, in my opinion.
0: To me, like, it's not really even about, like, would I rather have two wings or two guards? Like, I don't I don't think that's what I'm really driving at. But, you know, we talk about Brooklyn, and I think anyone who's watching Brooklyn can see that, you know, they had Kyrie and KD, you know, to start the season. But once they infused James Harden into that team, they really changed. And part of that maybe was because of the KD injury and all that. But you can't tell me that there's something about the way James Harden plays uh- basketball... How he changes the entire landscape of how they I mean, operate. I mean,
2: I mean, they changed, sure, but we didn't even get time to watch the KD, uh, uh, uh Kyrie, Spencer Dinwiddie, Caris LeVert, Jarrett Allen, Nets. So but, we didn't even get time to watch them.
0: But for the Kyrie and KD version of the team, like, we kind of knew how they operated, right? I think we can all agree that they were a team predicated on elite shot making. Like, they took tough shots and made tough shots. Um, James Harden, I think, came in and upended all of that, and maybe you don't see it like I do. James Harden created easy shots for himself and all his teammates, and you can't well, say I, that Kyrie and KD do
1: that. Well, uh, I, I'm Eddie, the one from Eddie last spitting.
2: episode. I've been saying James Harden should be an MVP discussion.
1: I um, mean, yeah, Eddie's spitting right now. It's, it's, the difference is, like he said, tough shots versus easy shots, and there's going to come a time where you're going to need those tough shots to fall, and that's where your wings come in, but... Hell, Eddie just made a really good point. It's a lot easier when you have access to easy shots throughout the game.
2: So you're telling me you'd rather have two lead guards and an average wing than great. I'm not wing. saying nothing. I'm well, mediating and, and the discussion. I'd
1: say I'd say
0: it's guard. not that, but let's just say Brooklyn has three superstars. Um, Kyrie's like Kyrie himself said he'd play the two. He's not really like a lead guard. But if you if you ask me, and I was Steve goal. Nash, you know, would I would I have Harden carry more of the weight or Kevin Durant carry more of the weight for 48 minutes or for, you know, the duration of the game? When you say carry
2: more of the weight, do you mean usage rate? Because I'm going to say James Harden.
0: Yeah, that's exactly my point. Like James Harden should be dictating the offense. KD, and and I said this about KD when when he was on the Warriors too, and this is no disrespect to KD. KD is the greatest luxury for Brooklyn and for Golden State. You know, it's like when things fall apart and you need a guy who just – randomly makes the toughest shots in the world you know that's kevin durant for you but you don't want that sort of shot for 80 shots a game you know it's not sustainable that's why to me like james harden uh and the lead guards of the nba the great lead guards in the nba are so valuable
2: i I, I know that i don't want kd you know having the highest usage rate a because he's the most uh, efficient scorer and i don't i i just I know that it's not his game to be on ball the whole game and he's not going to be bringing up the ball 100% of the time. So I'm just that that, that, I'm not going to have that. And, you know, if you look at another team um, where you have this similar situation, I know one of them has been hurt this year, but you look at the Portland Trailblazers, like how far have they gone?
0: I mean you can argue that, you know, it it and it and it's a You can argue that CJ talent. McCollum
2: isn't this superstar okay, is Jalen Brown?
0: Well, I mean Jalen Brown's heading this year, right? 9-11.
2: But we haven't seen, you know, the end of this year, so we've seen very or many years of CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard.
0: All I would say is like, of course when it comes down to it, it's talent, right? Like Brooklyn is not if, if they win the championship, we're not gonna say it's because they played through Harden or Durant, it's because they had Harden and Durant and Kyrie, right? So that's pretty obvious. Like you just have to have talent on an NBA roster. But if you're saying, how should you you know ideally construct a, a perfect roster if you had the requisite talent to win? I mean, you saw with the Clippers last year, how much talent they had, they were missing the player who can get you an easy bucket. And when things started getting tough for them, you know, all of a sudden, their greatest players and their inability to get to the rim started, you know, really catching up to them when Denver was closing in in those games and Kawhi, you know, because Kawhi can only make shots from, like, four spots on the floor, you know, like, and he wasn't making those 10 to 12-footers, you know, and he can't get to the rim. It's like... It, it I, I, like I mean, I
2: understand, but all, all I'm trying to drive home is that, in my view, like, like do you agree with this? You have to have a... I don't want to say great because people mix up great, but like really, really good slash great wing in order to win a championship. Like you just have to have that. You cannot just have a dame on your team with a Kent Bazemore to shout out the Warriors uh, as your wing or Robert Covington.
0: You can have Robert Covington as one of your starting wings and win. I believe so.
2: No. Well no, you, you can't
0: have that. the hard part about this is that we're in like the LeBron era, right? Where it's like if you have LeBron on your team, you like you, you have like a fifty percent chance of winning the championship
1: basically. <laughs> if
2: you have if you have a if you have the first pick in to, to start another franchise in the NBA, you want to go win a chip, who 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 are you drafting?
1: John Wright. I'm sorry, <laughs> go ahead. Right now.
2: <laughs> no, no, just for next year. You're just gonna have the team for one year.
0: It would still be LeBron James for me. It's you.
2: LeBron. It's but, LeBron. But
0: I, but like again,
1: we disagree on what kind of player. He I, is. We most definitely disagree on what kind of player. Who's the like, second player? Steph Curry.
2: For you, I know it's Steph. For Reagan, it's it's KD. It's
1: definitely. Mm, it's it's it's. it's tough. He's
2: leaning towards James Harden after criticizing him. For I years. was gonna.
1: Say, I was gonna say it's between Steph, KD, and James Harden for me. I would have a decision to make, but I would probably go Kevin Durant. I would probably go Kevin Durant just because I'll probably – Not
2: probably. You you must go KD.
1: I must go Kevin Durant.
2: Mm. Okay, like, I I, I hate, you know, like, everybody just – and I'm the one who, like, was preaching a little bit that James Harden should be in the MVP discussion. But, like, people fall in love so damn quickly. It's like KD was doing well at the beginning of the season. Everybody's like, KD's the best player in the world now. and, And, you know, I don't know.
1: I mean, that's why they're going to be so dangerous when he comes back. Because it's like, okay, if shit gets tough, we have the best shot maker arguably of all time. And when we want stuff to be easy, we have the guy who's arguably made it easier than anyone else has in history to score points. So that's... And,
0: yeah.
1: But it, it's like, I it, think
0: it's the idea I'm trying to get through is and people might not align with the, you know, analytical look of the game, but it ends up coming down to Layups, free throws, and threes are the three most valuable shots in the NBA. And the guard of today, the guard of 2020, is pretty much weaponized to get those three shots whenever they can. Like, the best guards, because guards know how to get to their spots, know how to manipulate defenders, know how to draw contact, you know, those the best guards know how to do that. You know, a James Harden, a Steph Curry, um, like those players will get free throws, get layups, get three-point shots, create three-point shots. And um, if, you know, they don't get them, they create them for others, you know, and it's like basketball is very complicated. Like I love watching basketball because, you know, there's a lot of different moving parts to it. But, you know, like you can also view it from like a distance And and it's pretty simple. Like you obviously need shot making in isolated situations. You need someone who can get make a pull up mid range, someone who can, you know, take one of those tough shots. But throughout the course of 82 games, throughout the course of seven games, throughout the course of 48 minutes, you know, the team that ends up taking more easy shots, ends up taking more high-value shots, will most likely win the game. That's why, you know, teams always say, you're probably not going to win if you lose the three-point line battle, right? You're not going to win if you lose the, the free-throw battle, you know? Like, that. that's why those sayings are, like, a thing. And, like, you have guards nowadays that are just equipped you know, Luca, like, and Luca and Harden, like, we all know how much they get to the line, right? Like Steph, we all know what he does. Like, they're just equipped to wreak havoc in the most efficient ways possible. Mm.
2: Then why don't they win the championships the most?
0: Because they mm. just don't have enough talent as other teams sometimes.
2: What, what you can't blame it. That is talent, though. What they do have is talent. That is talent. Well, that that's the greatest talent. That,
0: those I mean, we can are go. The we best can to We have. can go player by player. Steph. I mean, like you know, Steph has three chips. Right, like you can say KD helped him, but like he has three chips. <laughs> okay. You can go James Harden. I mean, it, look at it, look at the look at the type of talent he was working with outside of you know Chris Paul on those teams. Like you had a lot of but, players who can't put the you, ball. You, you're, in the You're floor.
2: the one who infamously says that, that that's like the best way to run a team.
0: It is, and they would have won the championship if it wasn't running <laughs> and, 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 and if it wasn't the running into run a
2: team, but they ain't got no rings to show for it.
0: But I mean, you can't disagree. You sound like Mr. Parker right now. <laughs> You can't you can't you can't disagree that Houston was you know the closest to challenge perhaps the most uh, well constructed team of all time, you know than any had other. Had a few bad games. I mean, they took they took the Warriors to seven with Steph and Katie and Clay and Draymond. Like that's, I can tell that's you a bunch team. of
2: teams that took uh, people, uh, teams that that gave you know the teams that ended up winning the chip misfits or, or took them to six and seven. They don't count. They don't count don't count
1: i want to take this conversation because you alluded to it eddie you alluded to analytics and whatnot and i feel like this conversation around lead guards versus two-way wings you can tell where somebody stands in the in the scheme of you know, analytics how they stand on that kind of how they answer that question because i feel like the idea of the two-way wing is a very eye test driven Uh, phenomenon, right? That's a guy's skill, it's bucket getting, shot making, whereas the lead guard is more analytically driven, like you mentioned, Eddie. They get you the easy shots, they get to the line, they get to the rim, um, they shoot the threes and whatnot. So, I want to take it from a macro level and have a bit of a discussion around analytics. That's something that's come up as of late. Um, How do we think analytics plays into all of this? I'll throw this to you, Eddie. What is your... I guess perspective on analytics and how that operates with wings in general.
0: The thing is, I don't think I prefer lead guards because I think they're analytically more favorable. I just like watching lead guards operate on the court. Like, I mean, yeah. For, there's, for, for, there's forget you know, like forget forget the numbers. Like, obviously, I have them in mind, but it's like to me, that's like true artistry of the game. You know, like that's why I love watching a Steph, a Harden. Uh, I mean, even a Luka so much. You know. Alan
2: Iverson so we we touched on this Stefan Marbury like guys like who bring flavor to the game but like it's, it's not
0: It's I, not about it's not about flavor or like whatever words you want to call it possessed. Possessed. <laughs> Yeah, like I mean sure like we can call it that but it's the
2: artistry is artistry,
0: but it's like the the thing that makes Like for example, I say this with Steph all the time watching him this year like I'm surprised by how good he's been this year like as good as ever Because you can throw three defenders at him on the perimeter and he's finding ways to dribble and maneuver his way out of it. You know, it's like, that's not analytics to me. That's just to me, like, you have so much creativity, intuitiveness, improvisational skills, ball skills, feel, like, all of those things to weave your way in and out of whatever looks they're throwing at you.
2: Okay, could could Kobe and T-Mac not do
0: that? I mean, not in the same ways, you know, like... I'm ta- Like, you're talking about these players, and, I mean, this is, I guess, Steph in particular, but, you know, you talk about players with some of the best handles of all time, some of, you know, the best shot-making of all time, I mean, you know, like... That's,
2: that's what I'm saying. The, 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 like, Kyrie, that's the best, in my opinion, you, you guys know, that's the best artist, basketball artist of all time. But
0: to um, me, like, so, I mean, to not stray too far from the whole analytics part of it, is that, to me, analytics comes in as, like... Well, let's think about it like if it was a painting, right, it's like you have a lot of these elements in the foreground that is, you know, the artistry of the guard, the dribbling, you know, the footwork, the the, the IQ feel of the game. Like that's the stuff that's standing out to me. The canvas, like the background is the analytics, is that they're doing all this. Okay. while shooting no, three-pointers, no, no. while maximizing he, a step-back three. He's, he's, he's low-key low on your ass, Julio. He's no, low-key on your ass, while, ass with while, this metaphor. While executing their skills to draw <laughs> no, fouls. Because i the only one no, who thinks that drawing fouls no, is no, a no. skill. This,
2: this, is, this is the metaphor right here. Okay, you have a counter-metaphor. Canvas. You have a canvas with the paint. It's three things. You have the canvas. Sounds like the same the metaphor. Paint, <laughs> and you got the paint, right? Okay. The lead guards, are they have the most skill, right? in the NBA. They're the shortest. They have to be the most skilled Yeah. In I order agree. to keep up with these dudes. Like th- That's just fact, right? That's the paints, right? All the different paints. The wings are the painter. You have to know how to use them because they can take most advantage of those skills because they're longer, they're bigger, they're more athletic. LeBron, Wait, so is Kobe the
1: paint athletic. the skills or is the paint uh, the lead guard?
2: You have to know how to paint. If you give me a whole bunch of paint and a white canvas, you think I'm going to draw as as well as Picasso or or Michelangelo or or whatever the case may be? (laughs) Hell no. Hell no.
1: Wait, okay, so clarify. Because you said the lead – is the lead guard – Okay, you're saying the painter?
0: Those skills. skills,
1: Okay, the the lead guard skills are the paint. The painter is like – Okay, so you're yes. saying, okay, I, I get you. So you're saying the yes. painter is like, a lead guard could be a damn good painter, but if I'm like bigger and stronger, I'm also, I'm just like a better painter than you are. So I can take yes. the same skills yes. and do they better might, they with might it than more, you.
2: They might bring a little bit more skills to the table, but the other painter, the wing painter, okay. brings in like a similar amount of skills, mm. um, and they're just better painters.
1: So, so better the lead colors. guards might have a couple more colors, but, but the quality of the it. painting, see, okay, that's a good metaphor. That's a good counter metaphor. I don't know. I, 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 I do want to say this because it almost oh man, I had a I had a point that I wanted to allude to. Um but those were two such good metaphors, I think it threw me off. What was I gonna say? You go ahead. You go ahead. You I'm just trying to I just can't confuse the I, hell
2: out of whoever listens. <laughs>
1: like wait so am i supposed to paint or we might we might have to we
0: might have to to visualize it but all i'll say is no one's beating me in a metaphor battle Mm. but um but no it's like i i get what you're saying but the thing is that would only apply if the wing had a guards level of skill and they were not
2: to the full extent but give me 95 percent and more athleticism all the way
0: I mean, ninety five percent. I don't know. Like, I'm watching guys like Kawhi who only have two dribble moves in their bag. Okay, they can't get
1: around defenders. This, this is what I was gonna say. So, what you were talking about in terms of creativity and like reaction, um, I think that's what it boils down to. Because a guy like Kyrie, and I can understand the infatuation with both things. A guy like Kyrie, a guy like Kobe, a guy like T Mac, they put hours upon hours upon hours into the gym. I got. 30 moves, I got 60 counter moves on top of that. I got 100 counter counter moves on top of that. So it's like no matter what you do, I'm always going to have something to counter your reaction to what I do, right? But that's planned. That's calculated. That's drilled. I think what Eddie's driving at is like That's
2: not planned. That's not planned. That's I have that in my repertoire to react to you.
1: Exactly. So it's like it's in my, it's, I've drilled that into like my my body now has the muscle so that, memory to do that
2: be a game of uh of uh reactions of, uh, what's that word creativity uh,
1: imagination
2: something close to creativity mm-hmm. uh
1: shoot but point being it's like i think what infatuates eddie at least is like when you see steph some do some of the things that he does when you do when you see trey young do some of the things that he does it's like you did not practice that you just did that off the cuff didn't you that just like came natural to you so i can understand both because it's like on the one hand that's so much time and work put into perfecting your craft to be able to do and react to anything that your defender throws at you but on the other hand it's like damn that's a really entertaining natural basketball aptitude to just pull that out of your ass how many times have we seen so, steph just pull something out of his ass that's like you did I, not try that you did not want you
2: mean you mean you mean like kobe doing a double pump fake fake spin going back to that same spin and shooting with his left hand like from the three-point line and making it that. That's
1: something he planned. No, he didn't plan that. He didn't right, plan but, that. He didn't plan that one. But
0: I, I think what it boils down to, and and this is like a very like this is obviously summarizing it like, and, and not all wings are like this, but it's like, you know, when, like, if it's a wings last option, it's gonna be let me try to shoot over my defender. Let me try to bump my that, defender down, th- shoot again, over them
2: again. That's the that's the that, that's the advantage that you have it's an advantage
0: that's true but what i'm saying is like that is naturally a tougher shot to be shooting over people they make it more than a guard will the great wings make it at a very high percentage like a Kawhi, right like a kd but the thing is to me i think there's more value and i think that it shows in you know what whatever the numbers say the analytics like there's more value in persisting through one wave of resistance, two, three, four, five levels of resistance, you know, and still getting off, you know, a, a clean look or a semi-clean look, whether that's a three or or you know, shot at the rim. I mean, even if it's a midi you know, like it's like, not like guards don't take midis but there's something more valuable to me aesthetically, and I think there's also something more valuable about that sort of gameplay. To you like, know, like like. I, to I, I'm, not, I'm not
2: even disagreeing with you, but like, t- tell me, tell me which team you would rather have, like. Let, let's say it, it was, it was uh, shoot S- Steph, Robert. I'm gonna just th- just pretend like this is a three on three. Are you
1: about to say Steph and Robert Covington? Because I promise yes. you, Eddie's picking that team. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't matter who you throw on the other Steph, team.
2: Steph, uh, okay. Like, what's another wing that's like that that Eddie won't have bias?
1: Just so like, I don't know, Harrison like a, Barnes or something. No, nah, not Harrison Barnes. Don't do that. Um, go, man. Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder, that's a good one. That's a good one.
2: Okay, him. Okay, Steph, Jay Crowder, and who's a great big. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns. I don't. Want, I don't know if I want to go Jokic or Embiid. Let's say let, let's let's say Embiid. Okay, Steph, Jay Crowder, Embiid, or Eric Bledsoe, who's like on the same level as uh uh. Jay Crowder. Who's the wing we said? Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder right. Um, although I like Jay Crowder more, him, KD, and Embiid. What, what, what team? You know, after you fill in all the role players and stuff, which team is going farther Steph Embiid
0: winning the championship. Yeah, I was gonna say like the first team sounds kind of od. But I get what you're saying. But if you it's ask KD. me, it's KD. It's KD. I mean, if you ask me, there's a reason why people talk about you know Jay Crowder like people talk about Jay Crowder. There's like a plethora of these three and D dudes that they love to plug into lineups. You know, in, in this day and age. they Royce
1: O'Neal, that's what you should have said.
0: They they love, you know, the three and D wings. And there's a lot of those in the league. Obviously, some are better than others. But guards, it's like, you know, if you go from a level of guard like Steph to, to Delo like, that's a huge drop-off already. Then you go from, like, let's say, I don't know, D'Lo to Eric Bledsoe, like you're saying. That's another huge drop-off. Like, Bledsoe's not doing, like, 20% of the stuff like Steph Curry is doing. But you know, like you can fill up the rest of your team with these three and D wings. Maybe you know Jay Crowder shoots. But like,
2: it doesn't work. That's my thing. It doesn't work. You can try it as best you can. As best the best example is uh, Portland. But like that's the most you can do, and shit won't work. It, it just won't work. Robert Covington, DJ, uh, uh, Derrick Jones Jr., and Rodney Hood, and Gary. If you want to add Gary Trent, Gary Trent, because he's like six five. It, it won't work. The and thing those about Scotland. Like
0: The thing about Portland is that they literally could never find a competent wing player for the entirety of Dame's career.
2: And now they have.
0: Now they do. That's why, look, we've yet to see, but I'm saying, like, outside of, you know, pure talent mismatch, like playing the Lakers.
2: Okay, but where does that talent lie well, I mean, LeBron, if, well, I know you. Okay, you guys don't think he's a wing. But like, LeBron,
1: no, I, I just want to say this: Lebron's a lead guard at this point, dog. Like, I know he has wing tendencies at times when he gets the ball in, in those post up situations and he hits those fadeaway shots. But for all intents and purposes, that's a lead guard to me. The way he plays now, yeah. And, and we should throw Dame
0: in there. I know we talked about Steph, Luka, Harden, but Dame is one of those game-changing players. Um, I think watching him play the Sixers was so telling because the Sixers, you know, had this top defense in the league, but they just couldn't contain Dame because the sort of, you know, way he plays, right, the power game, the ability to stretch the floor, the ability to draw defenses and if he penetrates, you know, it was, like, completely unguardable. Whatever... Whatever sort of scheme they threw at him, like a heavy trap, um, you know, like shading shading the the big defender his way, like they couldn't guard it. So again, again, it's like the the lead guard has this ability to just completely just change the change the geometry of the court in a way just, I don't just, think we've seen a wing do.
2: Just like just like when the Lakers completely shut down James Harden last postseason.
0: I mean, it's because the Lakers were a great team, and Houston. Well, I mean.
2: To we'ren't me. even a top like I mean we were top defensively on the interior, but not on the on the perimeter.
0: Like we can talk about James Harden's flaws, especially in the postseason. As in like you know once once he hits a little bit of resistance, he doesn't try to persevere over. But he,
2: but he over it. the easiest buckets in the game, so bro should bro should have a leg up.
0: I mean once they double team him, that I mean that's that's really on that and that Chris that's Hall.
1: that's where it gets interesting. But he has
0: Chris Hall, it, but that, he has Chris
1: Paul. That's that's where it gets interesting because it is like once you start calculating for these things a little bit deeper, and, and the coaches really sit down, and it's not I have three, four games this week. Let's just go out there and do the run our schemes. And it's, you know, what we have to key in on James Harden. We're playing him for five, six, seven games. We let's let's actively plan to stop him throughout these seven games. It gets a little tricky for the lead guards, the wings. They can still like they're you're at the mercy of whether or not they're making their shot the entire time essentially. Jason Tatum, nine times out of ten, his shot goes in. That's whether or not he shot it right. Not the the defense you know has little to no effect on that. Same with a Kevin Durant. Same with a, a Kawhi Leonard. That's up to them. So those times when you're at their mercy, that's important to to account for as well. I mean, we can talk about Kawhi though, because to me, like Kawhi's a little different
0: in my opinion because I think he's the he's the greatest unskilled player ever. You know, oh. like I'm not saying he's unskilled. Eddie, you've been spending but this I'm whole saying,
1: episode. That's what people are gonna remember
0: you saying. But I'm saying <laughs> he, he, hes the, in terms of reputation and skill, Kawhi has the biggest difference of any player in NBA history I've <sighs> ever you seen. Say that? You because. Say that? We saw it. We saw it. We, teams do this every year. And we have this idea that Kawhi does great in the playoffs or whatever. But if you get him away from the five spots where he makes his shots, he's not making those shots consistently. Why, don't, why, I mean, why
2: didn't teams do that? It, it, why, didn't, why didn't the Warriors do
0: that? They did. Oh, and you know who beat them? Kyle you Lowry, them, Fred VanVleet, Serge Ibaka, Marcus. Averaging 30. And, and not great efficiency. Oh. Volume shooting. I'm like, right. Ka- Kawhi's a great player, and I just want to throw this in as a disclaimer because I don't think all wings are you know Kawhi Leonard types. Like I think a guy like Paul George has more in his bag. Like a guy like KD has I way mean, more does. in his bag. So, but I'm just saying Kawhi as an example to me like stands out because he is really so single dimensional. And that's not to say he isn't great. He just goes about his game very one dimensionally. And I, I mean, think sure, it's easier to stop why, why than many of the
2: why don't teams stop him? Teams it's because he's super strong and he's tall, right?
0: That's true. So, that's he, so he can get his shot off in, you know, a phone booth sometimes. But you make it you make though. it tough enough, you know, then he has performances like he did against Denver last year. You know, it's like and it Steph, doesn't crazy. Steph never work. had
2: those performances.
0: Well, the thing is, when teams key in
1: on him, it leaves
0: three other dudes open. That's the difference. Just uh,
2: just like when Matthew Delvedo was giving up this.
1: Well, him to his. be fair, when teams key in on, on Kawhi, there's like a level of, you know, Sacrificing other players too, there is. but it will. Now, I will now, say now. now what is it? Yeah, exactly. Now can Kawhi get the ball to those players? And it. I think there's. I don't want to get on my middle ground stuff. <laughs> I know I don't want to be the guy. Like I see both sides to the argument. Everybody's right. No one's wrong. But I think there's something to be said for within this, and you guys alluded to it earlier. The best option would be a lead guard. And a wing because you need variety. You need diversity within your offense. You need multiple ways to attack a yeah. defense and On a macro scale when we talk about analytics versus eye test I've seen this idea floated around a little bit on Twitter But you know to me from the outside looking in it seems so obvious that if, if both sides would just kind of like work together You would have some dangerous ass teams around the league, but you know It seems like the organizations tend to be all one way or all the other way um, or at least on Twitter, it could, it could be <laughs> Twitter. That's how people my, tend to operate.
2: I think my thing with the, if you want to call the Boston Celtics a case study, I feel like this year has kind of been um or just looking at them is a little bit unfair because mm-hmm. Jalen Brown really, 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 I mean, he's really been taking steps throughout his career throughout the years, but this year has been his biggest step. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we see a full, like ideal Jalen Brown, what he can become this year. But at the same time, you don't see Marcus Smart and you don't see Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker's been back for a few games, but you can tell that it, we talk about uh, Chris S. Porzingis' knees and, and you know guys like Greg Odin. I'm not saying he's that bad, but Kemba Walker is something really, really bad with his left knee or whatever knee it is. Um, and and you, know, you don't have Kemba Walker. You don't have Marcus Smart. Um, at, at least then you you could plug in Marcus Smart as the backup, but he's been hurt also. So it's I'm not saying that you can, you can just have like two great wings and a below average Peyton Pritchard. You know, <laughs> like he's like a he's a backup he's a backup dude who can be kind of reliable, but not if you're a championship contender. Um, so you you still have to have those great or good pieces around. You're, you know, your superstars. And I feel like this year for the Celtics, it's, it, it's a little bit unfair with those injuries.
0: I, I mean, that's a good point. But at the same time, I bet, and I don't know this, I could be completely wrong, but I bet that opposing coaches, when they game plan against the Celtics, especially if they have to play a seven-game series with them, they probably think, I'm okay with letting Tatum and Brown get their shots off as long as I make their life difficult, right? And I think ultimately, there, there's a difference to that sort of philosophy. I mean, and I think teams do this with KD too. If he's on a great team, I'll let KD get his shots off as long as I make his life difficult. That's what Houston did every time they played the Warriors. But when I play a great lead guard, you know, like I'm not trying to let Steph get anything going. I'm not trying to let Harden get anything going. You know, we're trying to shut off the source of offense at the source, right? Um, But if KD, if Tatum and Brown, and Toronto did this with Jalen Brown last year in the playoffs, and I get he, you know, he didn't take his step like he did this year. They said, you can take 30 shots a game and get your 40 points if you want, but we're going to let you be a volume shooter. Because if you take all these shots, nothing else, you know, is happening for the team, right? Like everything becomes stagnant. You get no flow, no rhythm, you know? And, And again, like if you have a lead guard, a good lead guard who knows how to basically have five people on a string on a team. The, the lead guard's activity is going to be activity for everybody else on the team.
1: R- real quick, uh, and I do want to say that's why your Brooklyn Nets will be your twenty twenty one NBA champions is because you you they will probably try to stop things at the source with James Harden, and in doing that, you're letting Kyrie and KD go play around. Um, you're letting
2: Joe Harris too. And Joe Harris, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Like you're you're there's no way around all that talent. But to finish my point from earlier, real quick, I talked about things on like a team scale. I talked about things on a macro scale in terms of analytics versus eye tests, even on a micro scale, I think about a guy coming up right now, Cade Cunningham. He possesses a whole lot of lead guard skills, but in those crunch time moments, he plays like a wing, and you see that, and that makes him so dangerous. So even when we talk about how we develop players and cultivating talent, when we merge both worlds and we find that middle ground. No, we, we, and we, and we like, you know what I'm saying. But when we, when we merge both worlds and we take both of these ideals and we put them together, that's when it gets dangerous. It gets that, dangerous that, that, on that, the individual yeah. level, the team level, like oh, on a manage. Like everything flows so much better if you're just willing to work with one another.
2: But that, but that's that's what I've been saying all along. Like the the be- the reason why wings are the best, in my opinion, the best position is because they can do. Everything or ninety percent of what the guards can do, and if you can, the more you you uh, uh, optimize that percentage, the the best you're gonna be the best player in the game. Like that, that's just that's just what it is. Like wh- it, it, it's just fact that you just get a, a huge advantage by being you know strong and tall. Like that, that's just fact. That's yes,
0: just I, fact. I agree. But you just have to have the skills consummate. You know,
2: the- KD. That, that's why. Greatest, greatest
0: score of all time. All right. all right. I will say one last word though before not not even on this point. Just one last thing before we go. I, I it probably was like a week ago, but like there was this whole like analytics argument blow up on Twitter because of the the one Bleacher Report post. Um, this is not even like some sort of. Uh, by the way, that was so stupid. I don't know who that was. And, like, like I, I really like it's Master... I, I don't know how his name's pronounced. Master test. <laughs> no, Test-Axon. I mean,
1: his, his point was, like, you know, enjoy sports for, like, the being sports. Like, I get that. But, like, you gonna bring up P-E-R? We're talking about <laughs> analytics? Like, folks passed that gen already. Like, ooh. But that's the thing, right?
0: Like, we talk about, oh, there's a disconnect between people who are, like, a, a pure eye test person versus analytics people. But, I mean, all I'm gonna say is um, there's a lot of... You know, if you really like basketball, like there's a lot of joy to be had if you supplement the stuff you watch on your TV on the court with, you know, some of the ideas that you can see on one of these sites that give you like numbers and data. And I would know because Reagan is one of these converts who's all of a sudden cleaning the glass gotten very into you know the cleaning the glass site and and you know can it, it gives you just different perspectives to see the game. I think people think that oh like analytics people like literally only read spreadsheets all day i mean like it's it's obviously not that like everyone has you know the enjoyment they get from watching people play basketball but at the end of the day it's like something like numbers allows you to supplement you know what you're looking at
1: no doubt yeah i like i remember reading this article and i sent it to you and it was somebody that was kind of trying to define what feel is in basketball and they they brought up a lot of things that really didn't make sense to me like about neuroscience and a whole bunch of stuff but it was like even in that article he made such a great point of like yo i studied neuroscience but i couldn't tell you the first thing about developing a basketball drill but if someone that does have that experience were to come to me and said like tell like we could work together, I think we could do something really dangerous here. That's at the end of the day that if you merge these two things and I'm going to sit up here and tell you, I understand, you know, how people arrived at the numbers that they did on cleaning the glass. But if you trust in, in, you know, people that love this game, right. And that, you know, they're not just trying to, um, take it over. And there's something to be said for like, I, I do believe that there's a faction of analytics people that, are a little bit withholding of like how they arrived at those conclusions and you know like they're they're, you know what i mean that's a whole other discussion but point being i feel like that if you found a way to merge these two things into some sort of happy medium and we didn't just say you know what the only way to have a basketball ethos is to have played for a decade or to just say um you know if you don't understand these calculations then you know you don't need to have a hand in this like if Get that shit out the window, man. The shit gets a lot more dangerous. You become so much more lethal when you're willing to work with people and, and allow all the talents to be brought to the table. Julio, it sounded like you were gonna say something. But uh,
2: part of that middle ground though is to admit though that there are certain things in basketball that you just can't
1: quantify. Define. That's true. Can't you cannot quantify
2: define and you can't put a number to it. Exactly. Whether it's feel for the game, that, that's <laughs> that is so visual. Like you can do like a cis and you know, uh, uh, I, I I don't know, but yeah, you it, got you
1: got to watch somebody play to see how they feel it.
2: find it, or like, like a people like to throw out like clutch gene. Like obviously he's not a gene, but mm-hmm. th- there are just certain players who freeze at the free throw line, like LeBron. He's, sometimes he's, he'll, he'll he's take eight crazy. seconds, sometimes he'll take twelve seconds, sometimes he'll take six seconds. And, and he's always gonna miss the first ones, and he's gonna make the second one. He he's a to play. Ball. So it's, it, it, I mean there we just have to admit that there's certain things in basketball that just cannot be defined. And you just, you almost have to experience it, which brings me to another discussion of these, of these NBA refs, but, uh,
1: (laughs) another day, (laughs) another day, day. but yeah, it's like, I a hundred percent agree. Um, that, from the outside looking in, there's certain things that you're not going to be able to understand. We talk about the fact that it's people on the court playing the game. There's human error. There's things that you can't define. You can't define what somebody's got in their heart. You can't define, you know, we can look at all the analytics we want when we look up in the draft, right? You can't define how much a dude's going to be willing to bust their ass and develop skills once they get to the NBA. There's things that you can't define with numbers. Um, but there are things that you can define with numbers at the same time. And it's like you Merge those two things, and you find ways to utilize all the skill sets that people bring to the table. That's when you get dangerous. That's when you get dangerous. But any last words before we head up out of here? Hey man, it was a fruitful discussion. A lot of great points made.
2: Yeah. Yeah. C- okay. CP three. <laughs> oh, who not <laughs> CP three and D book, or Kyle Lowry. CP three and D
1: book. You don't have to and tell me K- the other player. KD. And KD, ooh, ooh.
2: It's KD,
0: bro. Yeah, I, I mean, I give me Lowry and KD because Lowry's yeah. better than CP three at this point of their career.
2: What? Oh, yo, but I, I was, Eddie, I was you've
1: was been spitting to... for like forty five minutes. Don't come was, with the cap now, to, bro. I was trying to pick a player
2: that was lesser than CP three.
0: I mean, I get your, I get your point. You said Kyle Lowry's better than. I, I get your point, but you know, yeah, give me the lesser player than CP three and uh and and KD probably.
1: Wow, that's od. Yeah. Anyways, that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys have been turning us up a little bit lately. Our last episode got like hundred and eighty listens. So. We were
0: we were also reposted by some like aggregator on Instagram. So shout out to them.
1: Oh yeah yeah I saw that. Um, shout out at Top Black Podcast um shout out me for being black <laughs> i guess <laughs> um but they they shouted out it was funny because they shouted out you're like you soliloquy uh, i
2: wasn't gonna say anything and i was gonna tell you guys after the podcast episode ended but that, i felt so bad like, hey man like, hey you know, know what I it is not- is
1: it, you know that that's Part of the beauty of the podcast: black dude, Asian dude, Latin Latino dude. We we all came together. It's like it's it's not a black only podcast, but there's a black <laughs> to it. I brought some black to it. You bring we we got a nice little jambalaya a gumbo here. But um, as always, go follow the socials. We switched them. It's not at SQR1 Hoops anymore. I repeat, not at SQR1 Hoops anymore. It's at Hoop Holler Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Same idea, same stuff going down on the Twitter. Same you know, almost triple doubles, almost good games, all that fun stuff. But it's at Hoop Holler Pod now. Go check those out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for all the love and support. We will see y'all next time.
0: This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.